1: Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Huddle on Sunday, March 5th, 11.08 a.m. Good to have you with us. Second hour of the Huddle coming up now. Twins and the Tigers coming up today at noon. You can hear it right here on WCCO Radio. If you heard it or read it this week, there is a bit of a issue happening in Baltimore involving former Gopher wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who called out the general manager of the baltimore ravens eric da costa for some comments he made during the draft this during the uh, combine this week let's get you catch up let's get you caught up here first of all on uh, DeCosta's quote he was talking at the nfl combine once again live mics are an issue people let's let's always remember this he was asked about evaluating his wide receivers and he said quote if i had an answer that would probably mean I would have some better wide receivers, DeCosta said. Quote, we're going to keep swinging. There have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We really, we've never really hit on that all pro type of guy, which is disappointing, but it's not for a lack of effort. It's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say that we're not going to stop trying. End quote. Oh. To which Rashad Bateman took some understandable umbrage with tweeting which he has now since deleted quote how about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight blame the one you let do this we take heat 24 7 keep us healthy care about us and see what happening ain't no promises though tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason i don't uh, i don't maybe understand every word in that but i get the gist of it which is to say that Rashad Bateman is saying, hey, don't call us bad draft picks. I'm going to call you bad GMs for not having the right coaches and players in place to help us um, win. Now, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of layers here, Pete. Number one of which is it's never good to argue on social media with your boss, which that's that's let's just get out. Get that out there right away. This is not Twitter, Instagram, etc. is not the place to air your grievances. But I'll say this, Eric DeCosta should not have said that. That is not, the re- you've got to be smarter. You can't call out your entire receiving core uh, on national television and everyone's watching. It's just not a good look. It looks like to me that the locker room and the management are not on the same page. Now, that being said, I would argue he's not wrong. Their leading right. receiver last year was Mark Andrews, who was a tight end. Their leading wide receiver was Demarcus Robinson, who had 458 yards receiving. Rashad Bateman had 285. Deshaun Jackson was in there. Sammy Watkins, uh, not a whole lot. Uh But again, he's not wrong in what he's saying, but you could also argue just as much as that you could argue that the wide receivers didn't perform. You could argue that the management did not surround them with the right players to succeed. Pete, you watch the NFL closer than anybody. Is Mm -hmm. this a case of a wide receiver core underperforming or a team not supporting them like they should? And with a caveat question to that, is it ever Mm -hmm. good to air your grievances on Twitter?
3: (laughs) Absolutely not on the second part of that. (laughs) The, The grievances on Twitter are always something that you'll regret, and obviously I'd say that uh, this is no no different for Rashad because of the fact that he took it down. Otherwise, he would have just left it up there. And, you know, there's something to be said from both sides, I guess. I, I, I think in some ways, this will sound crazy to you, but in some ways, um, if I'm the general manager and I'm voicing something like that, well, prove me I'm wrong. I mean, I, I what yes. I don't understand about Rashad in this case is he's saying, well, you know, you're not giving us uh, you know apparently the the right coaching, the right whatever, but the reality is, as a player, you go out there, you play, and um you know is your deal then with the head coach? is he not calling the right kind of offense or or is it the offensive coordinator or or what exactly is it? I think the the general manager goes out there and and basically brings the team together with the players that they choose, and the coaches then have to coach them, so I'm not really sure where Rashad really wanted to go with this one. But it's part of an entire theme, and it made me think of this when you were just talking about Josh Gordon before we had the, the top of the hour break. Think of this just for a second. Who are, who's, what position in football has the most uh, folks in, in, from one spot who seem to be able to have so much anger and so much more negativity than any other position? has got to be wide receiver. You've got yeah. Josh Gordon, you've got Antonio Brown, Antonio Pierce. Terrell Owens, Braylon Edwards, yeah. you know, Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Marshall, Kenny Britt—you could go all the way back to uh, the, the days when. Oh shoot, he, his, his name leaves me all of a sudden, but the, he's on ESPN in the mornings and he's uh, uh, from USC and played for the Jets. And he used to—he had that book. Throw me the damn ball, you know. They all yes. complain. They're always open. Everybody's always open, right? I mean, that was something we used to joke about in the locker room. Chris Carter, open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris Carter, another all great the time. example. Yeah. and they always you know that more than any position out there it seems like i don't know what it is about that position that causes the the anger and and all of the rest but um you know you could say well they're very competitive well everybody's competitive every yeah. guy on an nfl team point. I'm going to tell you right now is competitive so why is it always the wide receivers with that ego that has to has to voice that and i'm not saying that the the general manager was was right to do it in such an honest way but As you just pointed out, the proof is in the numbers, and the numbers just show that they have had, and and Rashad being the 27th pick in the draft, um, show me the money. Show me what you've done that that has proven that you deserve to have been a first-round draft pick. And I, I say that as a guy who really likes him, by the way, really likes him a lot. I see the talent. I watched him as a gopher, thought he was great, but he has not panned out at all at the pro level yet. He might, but he hasn't yet.
1: Well, you make a real, it's a great point, Pete, and I didn't think about that, that it always seems to come from that wide receiver position. I agree. Um, And I I guess my only thought is that it's, it's because of the nature of that position. Uh, You are at front and center. You are the guy that everyone's focusing on. So you become that guy, right? You become that, Mm -hmm. that ego, that throw me the ball. I'm going to, you know, I can do anything anybody else can. Whereas every other position, if you think about it, it's much less of a, it's more of a team position than it is a, a singular, right? I mean, wide receivers are singular. If you're on the offensive line, it's the five guys, it's, you know, it's the four guys in the trenches with you, same defensive line, same with linebacker. It, it, it's just, to me, that position is so, it's, it's more of a singular position than it is about everybody working together. Right. Like mm-hmm. linebackers and, and and even to a degree safeties, although you could say that some safeties, uh, certainly, you know, going back to your buddy, Dion Sanders, uh, defensive backs, <laughs> running, you know, Darrell Rivas, uh, Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. that they're just as outspoken almost than wide receivers. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's um, interesting. I, I am very intrigued to see how this plays out. Um, I'm sure it will, they will, if not already have talked to him about, yeah. let's not do this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Rashad, this isn't the way things work in the nfl so um it is it is intriguing uh I, certainly when you brought this up this morning to me as a topic i i started looking at it and i'm like oh boy this is this is not gonna this is gonna get uglier before it gets pretty uh, there's just no doubt about you it's tough to walk back from that right it's tough mm-hmm. to, how do you walk in there at at minicamp in in what is it may and, mm-hmm. and the GM comes in. How's everybody doing? And there's Bateman going, um <laughs> no. not so good. <laughs> not so good. Way, not name, so good." The
3: name, the name I was thinking of was Keyshawn Johnson. That's yes. the guy who said they basically, oh, you know, throw me the damn ball. And it's like, honestly, hey man, Pete, you know? <laughs> to your point,
1: there's probably le- there's probably less wide, re- less outspoken wide receivers than there are m- more, right? Like you could literally, mm-hmm. you could literally talk to, to so just a few that you think of mm-hmm. jerry rice never said anything adam thielen mm-hmm. doesn't say much mm-hmm. um and, and and you know so on and so john taylor you know there's just so many that yep. who were great but just let their marvin harrison just let their you know their talking their play do the talking so yeah um yep. we'll continue the nfl discussion next because i want to talk we talked a little about the nfl combine with Matthew Collar. But Pete, I know this is something that, that you're intrigued about, as am I, to Morris Smith's comments this week about whether the combine is even worth it anymore. And some really pointed comments by him, uh, as to yeah. what this turned into now, which I found very intriguing. We'll talk about that next on the huddle on A30WCCO. Welcome back to the huddle, Dave Schwartz, Charlie Weiss, Pete Nigerian Great to have you with us this morning. Looking at the uh, Cities One Plumbing Talking Text Line. Wide receiver, the ego is what makes them great players. That's a good point. That's a good point. What makes them? That's what makes them great. Uh, a great text. Thank you for that. Uh, someone also telling us Josh Gordon, who we talked about. Uh, last hours playing in the XFL. The NFL Combine has been going on this week. Pete, you and I have talked uh, extensively about this this morning. I love the Combine. I do love watching it, but I I Mm -hmm. don't think I've hidden my uh, real feelings about it, which is it's fun to watch, but to me it never really tells me a whole Mm -hmm. lot about um, whether a player is going to succeed in the NFL. It tells me that they're freaks of nature and amazing (laughs) athletes. Just incredible what these guys Mm -hmm. can do. But it does not tell me if they're really that great of NFL football players, tomorrow Smith uh, thinks that it's kind of outlived. It's uh, it's welcome here in in the NFL uh, citing that some of, you know, there's a chance for injuries and all this other stuff. I I would take (laughs) it one step further and say that it, it has become basically a final exam uh in, in college which is you know you cram 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 shocker i was not the greatest student in college you'd cram 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 up until you get to the test and then you you know you 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 verbally expunge all of your knowledge onto the sheet of paper and hope that maybe you get a c plus or a b these guys now come out of college and they just train for the combine they they mm-hmm. start the day the season ends and they're working on their their 40 they're vertical, all this stuff. And I'm watching yesterday them throw routes to these wide receivers who are literally, they are, I could run faster than these guys are jogging toward, towards the first cone. What is the point of that? What is the point of a half you-know-what trot to a cone and then catching a mm-hmm. the ball over a shoulder? That never <laughs> happens in the NFL. These solo drills that they do show me Nothing nothing mm-hmm. I think it's great that that guy can lazily trot out to a cone <laughs> and then catch a ball over his shoulder but when he's facing a phenomenal athlete on the other side this tells me mm-hmm. nothing and and you know what to be completely honest with you I kind of think DeMar Smith is right um I you know mm-hmm. Troy Vincent made some other comments this week and you can you can google those if you'd like it's not something I'm comfortable talking about on the radio but mm-hmm. uh he, he cuz he went there um I, I just don't think that it's – and I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer of what makes us better, but mm-hmm. I don't really think the combine the way it is now really equals any sort of uh, NFL success. Prove me wrong, mm-hmm. please.
3: Yeah, I think that it really comes down to um, what is really important at the combine, what is not. And and I think the the the, the real idea behind the whole thing is exactly what DeMorris uh, Smith – has his biggest problem with was one of the things that I read him that he at least said from the sounds of it, um, he didn't like the fact that, you know, it was critical that they were going to see doctors and the MRI, and that's only to have their draft stock go lower. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, so in other words, if you're going to get a car, a used car of some sort that came out of, you know, uh wherever, uh, you know, four years of college, so it's a four-year-old car, are you not going to look under the hood to see what Great it looks point. like? Is there, is yep. there I mean, you know he I think I think the idiocy of what I hear from Roger Goodell and some of the decisions that they make, and you and I've talked about those in the past, Adam Silver and this whole issue about avoiding load management uh, it, it, all, all of these things are problems, but this one's directly to the players and I think DeMar Smith the problem is he doesn't understand that he's actually hurting these players more than helping them, and I think it starts with the negotiation of how many practices they can have in full gear and all of the rest of that. So that because of that, I think you can see it's pretty clear. We see a lot more injuries than we had ever seen, you know, a couple decades ago, more and more injuries. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with these guys never practice in full pads. They only have a certain number of practices in full pads every year and going to the combine. It gives every single team at one day or two days, um, Every team is there. Everybody gets what they want. I mean, what I don't understand is why do you even have a pro day, You know, and I guess it's to maybe find the guys who didn't get, you know, invited because you only put 300 players out there for the the, uh, uh, combine. But, you know, I, I think it's a great opportunity for every one of the teams, 32 teams, all the doctors. Everybody gets to see these players. And they can make their analysis at that point in time. Why? Why is that a bad thing? I don't. For the life of me, it doesn't make any sense what he's been saying and trying to say. We should never have the combine again. So, so what exactly? So he's trying to say, even though this is a multi-billion-dollar business, and so is college football, by the way, but a -hmm. multi-billion-dollar business. When it's all said and done, he doesn't want the players to have to be in a position to be. Let's let's. Say it uh, to be completely honest about you know who they are and what they are. Are there injuries? What, uh, so the players go there and try to hide the injury, injuries the best they can. They do the MRIs, they do all the physicals, they do all of that stuff. But he wants it to go one step further, where well we don't we don't want them to know about any injuries. Oh, that's great. That's that's just great. I don't understand the the tact that he's taking here by wanting to. Basically dismantle and be done with the combine. I think it's I think it's really ridiculous.
1: I think his reasoning is is odd. Uh, it's suspect. And again, yeah. y- you bring this up, but we have to point out the obvious that he is the NFL Players Association executive director. It is his job mm-hmm. to protect the players, and I, and I get mm-hmm. that. But his yeah. idea here that this that what he refers to, as- how powerful is
2: Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix
4: Podcast, All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
1: As intrusive employment actions that don't exist anywhere else. Well, <laughs> excuse me. That was, uh, yes, it, that was, that was Smith. It, it, mm-hmm. He says for teams to be able to engage in intrusive employment actions that don't exist anywhere else. Um, P.S., Football doesn't, this job doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, it doesn't. So of course it's going to have actions that you wouldn't have anywhere else. Nowhere else is your first job going, nowhere else, very few places, is your first job going to pay you $25 million, right? Mm -hmm. Nowhere else is a first job going to solely for the most part be based on your physical attributes at success. So mm-hmm. those are things that you have to look at. I agree with you. You would never buy a a new or a used car for that purpose without looking <laughs> under the hood and checking it out. You would never. Mm-hmm. And that's only, you know, depending on the car, $30,000, mm-hmm. $50,000 that you're handing over. These teams mm-hmm. are handing over multi-million dollar contracts that are guaranteed to people, mm-hmm. to these players. It is ridiculous to think and to, to expect them not to probe as far as they possibly could before making mm-hmm. that assessment. And if you don't like it, then don't play football. It's right. as simple as that. I don't like to cook. I'm not a chef. Right? It's, it's, you don't, ha- no one is making these guys do this.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: He says, in quote, as soon as you show up, you have to waive all of your medical rights and you have not only to sit there and endure embarrassing questions. And I think that's horrible. I don't want to poo-poo that, but you would not want your son to spend hours inside of an MRI machine and be evaluated by 32 separate team doctors who, by the way, are only doing it for one reason. What's the reason to decrease their draft value? If my son wanted to play in the NFL, then I'd say, you got to do that, bud. That's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. That's the job. This is what's mm-hmm. involved in it. And, and he, I agree with the idea that the Combine has outlived what it could do, but for different reasons. I, I think it could be changed a bit. But this idea that they're being treated unfairly by showing <laughs> up and working out and pointing out their foot, fl- we're not circling their fat rolls here and making them stand up to everybody. You know, if mm-hmm. they, if someone made me stand up there without my shirt off, I'd say it's cruel and unusual <laughs> punishment. These guys are. Fun. This is their job and this is their livelihood, folks. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. No one's making you try to make the National Football League. This is yeah. this is a a privilege and something they've worked for. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Demora Smith is wrong. He he's a hundred percent wrong in his reasoning for this. I'm with you, Pete. Uh, I, I I just I don't like it. I don't like it.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate right. and it's. It's something I know we're pushing it up, but I would just yeah. say well, lastly that you're 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 so right, and it's it when you look at what it is that they do, and it's so different than any other job that you could get anywhere in life. Um, I think all of what they're doing, the testing, makes complete sense. That's yeah. the business side of the, of what is a multi billion dollar business, and, and it's the reason why they've got hundreds of millions of salary cap and everything else is because it's such a monstrous business. But yes. they need guys healthy, right? So and P.S. And that's
1: the way it is. When you apply for a job, it will say on there, must be able to stand for a certain number of hours, must be able to lift. There's this amount of, uh, of weight for this. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's just a different <laughs> job interview. Must be able mm-hmm. to toss giant men who are incredibly strong to the side and must be able to prove that. Uh, great. By the way, before we, before we take a quick break and we will, a uh, great text here to the city's Talk talking text line. How about the military? I bet that job requires some physical inspection. Great point. Great point. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. All right, we'll step aside, come back. We'll have a little more huddle coming up next on 830 WCCO.
2: Charlie Weese has got beef. Let's find <laughs> out who he's turning the heat up on today. It's time for a chuck roast. Right. It's not
1: pickleball again, is it? Okay. It's not, It's it, but okay, it sure. should be. I could do pickleball every week. That's, I know you could. We can just make a segment, the, the pickleball hate segment from
2: Charlie. I'm totally good with that. Uh, pickleball, yeah, no, it's it's not pickleball, but it's, I'll be honest, it's a little bit of a lazy one. It's it's one that everybody complains about all the time, but they're right. Oh. They're right about okay. it. And so I guess it's my turn to, to say that they are right about it. Earlier this week, Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres signed an 11-year deal worth $350 million. And it's baseball, so that's guaranteed. He's making that $350 million. To give you some context, it's sometimes hard to even get your brain around numbers that big. To get some context, you could buy a a new Gulfstream G500, a used, mind you, 200-foot yacht, uh, three or four (laughs) new Bentleys, and uh, just have about $290 million Left over after those purchases, oh. so uh, yeah, sometimes tough to, to put that in your brain. Just how much three hundred? Well, he's got to pay taxes dollars.
1: too, though. He's got to pay. He does. Yeah.
2: He does have to pay yeah. to his taxes. You're right. So you know what? Maybe. Uh, what, what should I say? Uh, He'll go 250 with two hundred fifty million. Five. Yeah, two hundred fifty. Yeah. After that, uh, two forty. <laughs> uh, but you know, and I want to be clear. I have no problem with Manny Machado taking that contract. Right? He negotiated. That's that is that money is coming into baseball people are paying oh. the contracts uh the TV contracts all of that money is coming into the game and it's either going to the owners or it's going to the players so in my mind yeah i'm fine you know with the players getting it but my problem of course which is a lot of people's problems i'm not saying anything new or shocking to people why is that amount of money coming in to to these pocketbooks why is that amount of money coming in when it is so hard for a family to go out to a sporting event particularly the nfl which has gotten really hard but most any sporting event and not spend a couple hundred bucks not just on tickets but concessions and all of the different things that go into going to a sporting event why can we not make concessions at the very least a little bit cheaper mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta i don't know if you remember when it opened but there was this you know new groundbreaking feature of having cheap concessions and they actually lowered the price since it opened a buck fifty for a hot dog beer as cheap as five dollars you've got nachos pretzels all those things all under five dollars and you know i don't hear too much about the owners of the uh of The Falcons and the uh, people at Mercedes-Benz Stadium struggling too much uh, with their pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. I I don't hear much about them not making enough money to get Mm -hmm. by off of these teams. Uh, My point, my overarching point, the greed Mm -hmm. in professional sports is getting to a point Mm
1: -hmm.
2: where something Mm -hmm. needs to be done. Ticket prices, uh, you know, it's it's pushing fans away is what it is doing. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't, I don't disagree with you. I know I'd, I'd go a step further and say a lot of the sports, um, it, it's, it's very yeah. difficult to go anywhere for a family of four. The reason that these, these salaries are getting out of control like this is, and I'll, is because of the television deals. Yes. And because That's a major M- part. Manny Machado making what? 350 um, <laughs> over however many years. Last year alone, the MLB's deal with ESPN was worth $700 oh, and and so, three fifty on a guy who's going to raise the ratings to the point that you can get more from these national distributors—it's—it's it's drops in the bucket. And now you're not even talking about jersey sales and merch and what the, these guys—it's—it's it's mind-boggling to think about. But these guys, in terms of a a, a business model, Pete, and I want your—I think you should weigh in here too because you're way more mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, on business than I am. But in terms of a business model, that's not, that's a smart play. It does, it's not a bad idea to pay these stars that much money because they become worth it with the TV deals, the merch, the people wanting to come to the park or stadium or, or arena to see them play. It, it's worth the money. Dare I say it, but it is.
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the investment, right? I mean, that, that's the idea, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea is they are getting that money from somewhere else, and they're getting it from the viewership of what they've got with these TV and everything else that that goes along with it. And there's There's so many different things, and I think that's why baseball has figured out, though, they need to expand, right? I mean, part of the reason that they've got some of these rule changes, like the pitch clock, have to do with – Look, uh, the average fan's age in baseball is probably the oldest of any of the sports, I would say. And so they need to get younger and get people involved. And because of that, they're trying to get the game to be at a different level. And, you know, I think I think the, they're already seeing the success of what they wanted to happen. Um, I'm sure some of the purists don't like it, but the the pitch clock literally has cut down games by at least 20 minutes. And that is something that I think is really important because that makes them that much better for a television audience and probably swells it up even more. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a brilliant move on their part. You know, major league baseball, if I have one criticism is part of the reason I think that also uh, hurts them is, is that they, they sit around with, without a salary cap. And because of that, you've got the Yankees and now you've got the Mets with Stevie Cohen, with all the money in the world that he's got. And, and so well, many it's, others, it's a and soft
1: it, cap though, is it? they have a cap, but you can go over it. it yeah, it's a luxury tax. Yeah. a really, yeah. With the luxury, but tax it's a really soft. Yes.
3: it It gives them such an advantage over those yep. like maybe a Kansas city or a Minnesota yep. or whomever it might be where it's a, it's a different category and it, it, it just changes things. And so, I think that's the one thing that I would love for them to do and, and consider. And I'm I'm friends with some of those guys. I'll, I'll have to float that out with them and see see if they'd ever have interest in make, <laughs> making some of those tweaks because I think that is hurting them, though, just to have the, the always-there Yankees and the always-there Dodgers and all that type of thing. You know, in football, you just never know, right? I mean, it really has come to that. I yep. mean, there are some yep. dynasties, but, you know, for how long? Yeah.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. Come back. Joe Smith's gonna join us from the Athletic. We're gonna talk Wild Hockey Trade Deadline coming up next on the huddle. Welcome back to the Huddle. Joe Smith, Wild Beat Raider for the Athletic, joining us this morning on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. But Joe, did I read your article right? Because I was I was just amazed. The I didn't think it was possible. The Wild one and Kirill Kaprizov did not score. And, I mean, something's wrong, right? Because one of those goals, it just
5: doesn't happen. It was it almost felt like a typo writing it, quite frankly. <laughs> um, you, you watch this guy day to day, night night out, and just really put the team on his back. And, you know, if there's ever any non-McDavid MVP award, it would go to him for how important yeah. he is for this team. But uh, they, that's why it was so encouraging last night. You know, clearly the, the focus for the Flames and the focus for most teams down the stretch in the playoffs, especially on the road, will be to shut him and his line down. And um, the blessing was they had some of the new guys, like Marcus Johansson got an assist, and uh, Foligno got his first goal in 18 games. Matt Foldy had his best game in a while, his first goal in 15. So if they can get those kind of contributions around the lineup and the way they play defensively and the way they're playing in net, um, they're a tough team to beat in a seven-game series.
3: And Joe, how about how about this trade? We were talking about that earlier, but give us a little bit of your insight. On what you think about Klingsberg and what he what he means for the team?
5: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It kind of I don't know if it came out of left field, but his value certainly dropped a lot. I mean, remember him three or four years ago? He was one of the elite offensive defensemen yeah, uh, in this league. Uh, just a gifted puck mover, big right hand shot, who could skate. Those guys are hard to find, right? And his numbers really dropped, especially this year in, in Anaheim and I think the Wild saw a guy who played for a really bad team and played against the best competition every night, and kind of that that combination was tough. And, you know, he talked yesterday about being a fresh start and feeling like he could be more of himself and playing in a more structured, really strong defensive team could really help him. And you watch him last night, guys, and if that's what they're going to get from him going forward, that could be a bargain of a deal, giving up a fourth-round pick a couple years from now and Schuster and the rights to a Russian prospect who wouldn't be coming here anyway. So, You know, time will tell, but for the limited amount of resources they gave up and um, for a veteran guy like that to come in, especially for a playoff push, um, if he shows that kind of game like he did last night, that'll be really good for them.
1: Joe Smith from The Athletic joining us in the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline this morning. Joe, I I read... You guys regularly, you and Mike Russo, two of the uh, best hockey writers in the league. And, uh, and all of the last months, it's where's Matt Dumba going to go? Where might he go? Who's interested? What can the wild get back for him? And then only to get to deadline day, um, he doesn't move. How, with the insight you have, how close was the team to moving Matt Dumba and, what does that mean for him this offseason? His contract's up, obviously. Any chance uh, they get him back? But was it close at all over the past couple of weeks that he might move somewhere?
5: I don't get a sense that it was very close, and there's a number of reasons for that. You know, there's no question as a pending UFA, you know, he would to be a guy that you'd consider moving. Um, and in years past, he's been in trade rumors every year, it seems like. Um, but you look at the the wild roster before Friday, they don't really have a lot of guys from his perspective and his experience, they can play uh, top four minutes on the right side. He plays more five-on-five five minutes than anybody on that entire team. So Bill Guerin would take calls, but it would take, as much as fans probably hate on him, They would take a lot for them to trade him, considering they want to make the playoffs and make a run here. So I don't get a sense that it was very close, and Bill Guerin said that Friday that he wouldn't have traded him anyway. It's just, you know, let him ride out the year as their own kind of quote-unquote rental and see how it goes this summer. But yeah, I think, I think the fairy tale thing, cause he, I think he would love to stay. And, uh, obviously a fixture in the community and the team in that room really likes him a lot, um, would be to stay, but you know, it's 28 year old heading to UFA right side defense, but I imagine the market will be out there a little bigger than what the wild can offer with the limited <laughs> cap space, even with greenways deal off the table, signing Philip Gustafson and, um, yeah. you know, Freddie Gutro, who Dean Evanson loves, um, you know, you have DeHame and, uh, you know, uh, Kalen Addison, if you decide to keep him. You know, there's a bunch of guys that are in contract. The that, that cap space is so crunched the next couple of years. But definitely, uh, you could tell yesterday we asked him about it, he kind of smiled and dodged another bullet again. Can't get rid of me. Uh, but he wants to stay. He wants to be, he wants to be a part of it. He, he said this is the best team he's ever played on with the Wild, and he really wants to see it through. So it uh, could be a cool story if they end up, you know, the Wild end up going anywhere in the playoffs this year.
3: So Joe it seemed like the, the trade line uh, deadline was dominated by the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils and Toronto and Carolina and Tampa and all those different teams and obviously everybody's chasing Boston. Who has made a move that you think at this point in time has a shot to maybe <laughs> uh, and and every anything can happen but who's got the best shot now after some of the movement that we'd seen to give give Boston a run for it into the playoffs?
5: Well, I know you're probably expecting me to say Tampa, since I covered them for ten years, and, <laughs> yep. and they're, and, and they're, and, yeah, and they're still the champions until someone beats them. Right? They they haven't lost the <laughs> Eastern Conference playoffs in the last three years, so I will mm-hmm. give them credit for that. But I do think watching the season and and seeing teams develop, I think Carolina Hurricanes are are, are really, to me, um, the biggest threat to to um, to Boston. And you'll, you'll see Toronto and Tampa like. Beat the hell out of each other the first round, um, mm-hmm. going in the second round. Um, you know, other way the Rangers and Devils, one of those guys is going to lose in that first round series because of the format. So I, I just really think Carolina, with what they built Robert Brendan Moore there, they don't really have any holes, and they just play a relentless style. That's so hard to, you, you make a mistake and you get you get beat pretty badly. So that be my that be my prediction right now is, is Carolina. But use a team that could, if anybody can, because Boston seems really unbeatable right now.
1: Uh, to beat them, mm-hmm. uh, Joe. Last one for me here for you. As this team uh, looks ahead to the postseason, and just over the course of the last couple weeks, how much did the strategy change uh, for the deadline? Because it, we heard so much about how pivotal February was for them with, with that string of games. Where did they start, or or what kind of what intel do you have of where the month started? for the front office to where it ended at the end?
5: Well, when we talked to, to Bill Guerin at midseason, and he said, you know, the team will tell me with their play what I should mm-hmm. do at the deadline in terms of being a buyer. Like last year, they got me a 3 trades, including Fleury and Middleton. Um, or should we, you know, bank on some futures considering, you know, the caps recaptures in the next two years? And it didn't look good coming out of the All-Star break. You know, the bye week, they lost three of the first four games, and it was... You never know where they were going to go. But I think, you know, Matt Dumba said yesterday that the team had a a few, you know, players only kind of talks and really honest chats of like, hey, let's give them a reason to bet on us and let's go on a run here. Let's find a way. And it hasn't been pretty. Lord knows it hasn't, you know, many many ESPN top 10 highlight plays, but they've (laughs) grinded out a lot of one goal victories and, you know, they found a way to win playoff style. Games where it gave Bill Guerin an idea, of, hey, let's work on the edges here and find some guys that could maybe help Matt Boldy find his game. Let's find some guys that could provide some scoring and maybe now Klingberg, a guy who can play in the third pair in the top power play unit and provide some scoring punch. So um, he definitely, you know, took what the the players showed in that stretch and gave them, uh, you know, uh, some more assets to to work with. And I guess the guy said yesterday, it's on us now. It's on us now to move it forward and, and go beyond just making the playoffs is, is winning around which would be i'm sure in this city if you had know more than i would um such a, such a big thing for him
3: joe i i will say this I, I i owe you a beer or something at some point in time because you and i have had paths that have followed each other around i'm older than you but i'm a california guy i was in tampa and minnesota and now back down in the tampa area and all the rest of it so at some point in time, we're going to have to get together and do that. But I, I always say good, uh, good things about my guy, Niall, Nigel Kerwin, who is part of the uh, the bolt staff and a great guy. And, mm-hmm. and I'll have to ma- mention you to him as well. So I, I, excited about it, and I look forward to seeing you up there in Minnesota.
5: Absolutely. I look forward to having a, an or 2 with you sometime soon. And tell Nigel if you talk to him, I said, hello. He has the most uh, stories of anybody in that Lightning franchise. has been there since the beginning. So he's got a bunch of it. If, if the walls could talk, he'd be telling.
1: well that sounds like fun i can i'll come along too if that's can i invite myself (laughs) i'll buy the first i'll buy the first round i'll buy the first round (laughs) hey uh joe thanks as always uh love your stuff hopefully we can do this again as we
5: get closer to the playoffs okay sounds great guys uh have a good sunday and we'll talk soon
1: thanks joe joe smith from the athletic joining us there on the city on the um John Schuster, Coldwell Banker Hotline should be fun. lot of great talk today. Thanks to all our guests, Matt Collar, uh, Joe there as well. Thanks to you for listening. As always, you can catch our podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Listen back to it. Have a great Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix,